Skinwalker, the terrifying Navajo legend. The elders warned you never to speak its name. Never think its visage. As the legends go, rather as your descendants direly warned, even wondering about this creature calls it forth. And the closer it gets to you, the fewer your remaining days upon the earth. If you enter its woods and dare call out to it, it might just answer. Be prepared for a terrible fate at the hands of the Skinwalker. Welcome to Freaky Folklore, the podcast where we discover the horrifying legends across the world and tell terrifying tales of monsters both ancient and modern. This week we are discussing the highly secretive Navajo myth of the Skinwalker. But how much of a myth is it really? This show is part of the EerieCast Podcast Network. Find more terrifying tales at EerieCast.com and be sure to follow us on Spotify or your favorite podcasting service. You can leave an honest review on iTunes too. The more we get, the more we grow and hopefully, the more monsters we can explore. I'm safe up here, Skye murmured to herself. The teenage girl sat flat against the floor of the rotting wooden watchtower. The edges of the platform beneath her were not far from her, and she dreaded the thought of inching closer to peer over it. What would she see, Skye wondered. She winced at the thought. Her nose filled with fluid, yet she could not find the courage to clear it. If she wiped the tears from her face, if she cleared her throat, it would hear. Skye did not forget this. She had never seen it, but she knew what it was capable of. Jeremy had gone out to retrieve kindling for the campfire He never came back. They had found little more than his left sneaker and a bloodless human tooth. Garrett and Caitlin had gone to look for him. Garrett had come back struggling to describe having seen Caitlin getting dragged away by her scalp. Skye had gone with Garrett attempting to escape the forest, trying to find their way back to the truck. Landmarks began to repeat. There was no way that this forest contained the same moss-covered wooden sign with the same writing misspelled the same way every hundred yards. Even so, they had indeed passed such a sign over two dozen times. When Skye broke down, Garrett yelled at her to get up. When she did not respond to him, he had left her. It had taken her a couple of hours to try to stand up on trembling legs. By then, she could not see or hear Garrett in any direction. She had become lost. Meandering off the path, hoping for a change of scenery, and perhaps finally finding a way out, she had stumbled upon this decrepit watchtower. Quickly she had climbed it, thinking the sooner she was up the less likely that thing would see where she had gone. Surely, it hadn't seen her climb up here, she thought. 
whatever that thing might be. Sky! A familiar voice called up from somewhere below. It sounded deep, gravelly, and winded. G-Garrett? Sky hardly whispered. Even with her friend nearby, she was quivering at the thought of giving away her position. Clearing her throat, she tried again, keeping a wide berth from the edges. Garrett! Sky, thank God you're okay. Their pitch heightened and frantic footsteps followed. They grew close to the base of the watchtower. I, I thought you left me. Sky's eyes watered. Her stomach tightened. I'm sorry, Sky. I shouldn't have left you. I was scared. She heard. As he began climbing the steps of the watchtower. I'm coming up. For some reason, as the steps got closer, Skye's heart began to beat faster against her chest. And then finally, the steps stopped, just before the hinged door in the floor. Suddenly, the door flew open with such force that some of the old wood splintered and flew off scattering all around the small room. Skye should have screamed, but she couldn't. She was paralyzed with fear. Garrett was all that she could get out before she saw the top of her friend's head start to slowly ascend from the hole in the floor. His hair was a mess, and his face was covered in sweat and mud. His eyes were wide, and his mouth was agape. That the only thing Garrett's head was connected to was a large hand with long, hairy, clawed fingers holding it by the scalp. The Skinwalker is an ancient Native American legend that takes on various forms across tribes. In Navajo lore, it is a kind of wicked sorcerer who can transform into, occupy, or disguise themselves as an animal. They can be male or female. It is believed that they are witches or corrupt medicine men who have gained the most powerful level of priesthood but choose to use their abilities to inflict harm and suffering on others. This witch is called Yi Natalushi by the Navajo, which translates to, with it, he or she goes on all fours. It is just one of several Navajo witches and is considered the most volatile and dangerous. The Navajo Skinwalker has deep roots in Aboriginal American folklore. Other tribes throughout the region also have their own version of the Skinwalker. The Pueblo people, Apache, and Hopi each have their own unique interpretation of what a Skinwalker might be. The legend of the Skinwalker is not well understood outside the Navajo culture, mostly due to reluctance to discuss the subject with outsiders. Navajo people are reluctant to reveal Skinwalker lore to non-Navajos or to discuss it at all among those they do not trust. A skinwalker is usually described as naked except for a coyote skin or wolf skin. Some Navajos describe them as a mutated version of the animal in question. The skin may just be a mask. The skinwalkers are described as being fast, agile, and impossible to catch. 
Though some attempts have been made to shoot or kill one, they are not usually successful. Like the werewolf, the skinwalker is a shapeshifter, human at times, and at other times taking on the aspect of an animal, usually at night. In its animal form, a skinwalker may be virtually anything, including a wolf, coyote, fox, bear, owl, or crow. According to Navajo legend, skinwalkers can have the power to read human thoughts. They also possess the ability to make any human or animal noise they choose. A skinwalker may use the voice of a relative or the cry of an infant to lure victims out of the safety of their homes. Both humans and animals can easily tell a skinwalker from a real animal, as the skinwalker is unable to move completely naturally in animal form. For some unexplainable reason, even a well-seasoned skinwalker cannot obtain the perfect animal gait or leave the proportionally correct sized animal tracks. A skinwalker is said to be defeated if one can discover his or her human identity. This is possible if the skinwalker is tracked back to his or her home, or in some stories, if a skinwalker is wounded and the same injury is later noted on a human. Another source claims that skinwalkers are vulnerable to white ash. When blown in a skinwalker's face or on their skin, it is absorbed and slowly poisons and weakens them. While it is virtually impossible to kill a skinwalker in human form, there are magical ways to protect oneself. Traditional faith healers can perform ceremonies to protect one from the danger of skinwalkers or a person going out at night can cover his or her body with corn pollen, cedar ash, or juniper berries. A person is said to gain the power to become a skinwalker upon initiation into the witchery way. Although both men and women can become skinwalkers, men are far more common. It is generally thought that only childless women can become witches. Skinwalkers gain power by killing a close relative sometimes even a sibling. Some believe that they practice cannibalism and necrophilia. Skinwalkers are also said to be able to create a pollen from ground human infant bones that when sprinkled on sleeping Navajo families causes sickness, social problems, and even death. Some Navajo also believe the skinwalker can steal the skin or body of a person. The Navajo believe that if you lock eyes with a skinwalker, they can absorb themselves into your body. It is also said that skinwalkers avoid the light and that their eyes glow like an animal's when in human form. And in when animal form, their eyes do not glow as an animal's would. Because animal skins are used primarily by skinwalkers, the pelt of animals such as bears, coyotes, wolves, and cougars are strictly tabooed. Sheepskin and buckskin are probably two of the few hides used by Navajos. The latter is used only for ceremonial purposes. Some tribes believe that skinwalkers can use the spit, hair, or shoes and old clothing of a person to make curses that will attack that specific person. For this reason, many Navajo will never spit or leave shoes outside. They also take great care to see that any hair or nail clippings are burned. Skinwalkers have been known to rummage around in graves, 
partly to still whatever is inside, but also reportedly to extract a powder from corpses. This is then used to poison people. A tribe member who falls sick may well wonder if they cross paths with a skinwalker. These witches live on the unexpired lives of their victims, writes Legends of America, and they must continually kill or perish themselves. The Navajo skinwalker legend is not unlike that of the European werewolf. A once ordinary human discovers the ability to shift into animal form at night, where his doings then become almost exclusively evil. Unlike the werewolf, however, the skinwalker curse is desired and acquired. That is, the skinwalkers do not have the bad luck to be bitten and forced into the curse. Rather, they want it and are willing to perform extraordinary rites of evil to achieve it. Another legend claims the Navajos mastered shapeshifting to escape persecution and relocation. The Kit Carson-led cornering of the tribe deep in Canyon de Chez, and later there forced and disastrous relocation to Bosque de Redondo. Another version relates to the Navajo belief in the Anasazi curse that the Anasazi were responsible for the prevailing witchcraft in the Navajo tribes, and that the Navajo skinwalkers used the off-limit Anasazi ruins and gravesites to gain certain powers. In animal form, the eyes of a skinwalker are distinctly human, while in human form, this is reversed. Varying versions of the legend attribute skinwalkers the ability to body snatch, to take possession of another person's body, if that person locks eyes long enough with the skinwalker. It is also said that skinwalkers, through the same eye-locking method, have the power to read human thoughts or even perfectly mimic the voice of a person, a ploy used to lure relatives. Skinwalkers are also said to use voodoo-like tactics to manipulate their victims, such as collecting a target's hair, wrapping it around a pottery shard, then burying it in a tarantula hole. Outcasts and pariahs, skinwalkers assume begrudged and hate-driven existences. Their spirits in constant search of revenge or else mindless harm. They will climb the roofs of sleeping families, bang on the walls and knock on the windows. More commonly though, skinwalker stories are far more malicious. In these accounts, skinwalkers climb roofs to seek ways into the house and attack the family, or else they assault cars driving through reservation land, causing wrecks. Described as fast and agile, ugly mutations that are not quite human and not fully animal. Usually they are naked, but some sightings report a creature wearing tattered shirts or jeans. In some stories, the skinwalker is tracked down only to lead to the home of a relative of the tracker. Or, like the werewolf, the skinwalker will be shot, and the next day a Navajo will be found with the same exact wound, revealing him as a skinwalker. Certain Navajo myths insist that the only way to fully kill a skinwalker is a bullet dipped in white ash. Here are a couple of true skinwalker sightings. Before I start, let me give some background information. I'm 24 and I'm a big believer in monsters. I am part Cherokee, Choctaw, Shawnee, and Chickasaw. 
My grandma always taught us about skinwalkers, shapeshifters, and wendigos. So last year I was on a trip to Denver, Colorado with my friends. Joe, who is part Washoe and Lakota, and Frankie, who is part Cheyenne and Seminole, and my dogs Lou, a red-boned coonhound, and Mr. Bluebody, a blue-tick coonhound. We finally get to Colorado after hours of driving. I'm leaving the name of the town out because I don't advise anyone to go there and look for any monsters. We are driving down a dirt road when my dogs needed to use the bathroom. I say, hey Joe, pull over. Lou and Mr. Bluebody have to water the lily. Joe pulled over and we all got out. While my dogs are using the bathroom, I feel like we are being watched. Then my dogs start growling. We all look towards where my dogs are growling and we see this pony looking at us. Now to a random person it would look like a regular pony. And at first that's what it looked like until we saw that its legs were too long. I heard Frankie ask Paulna, do you see that? Yes, I see it. I told my dogs to come and we all got back in the car. As soon as I looked outside my window, I screamed. Standing in the spot where the pony was standing was a tall, dark figure. We all said in unison, it's a skinwalker. We all started praying while my dogs huddled together. After we prayed, what we heard next scared us so much. Mimicking my grandma's voice, we heard, Don't be scared. It's all right. Joe took off and sped down that road faster than I ever saw him drive before. We decided to just go home, but we took a different road out of the state. We haven't spoken of it since. I decided to share the story. I'm thankful my grandma taught me about monsters. Stay safe and God bless. This episode is sponsored by June's Journey. What is horror to you? Monsters? Murder? Mystery? Well, if human monsters are your thing, June's Journey is the game for you, albeit in a more lighthearted tone. June's Journey is a hidden object game with a thrilling murder mystery set in the Roaring Twenties. You play as June on the hunt for your sister's murderer. Discover clues through exciting hidden object scenes with beautiful and atmospheric illustrations and music. Victory brings you closer to new plot points and suspenseful answers. When not hunting for clues, you can customize your own luxurious estate island with gardens, buildings, and decor. Or chat and play with or against other players too, in the Detective Club, where you could even put your skills to the test in the Detective League. June's journey is both relaxing and fun to play. With my busy schedule, I find it's the perfect game to pick up and play whenever I've got a free moment. It doesn't demand too much time, and it's pretty satisfying solving puzzles quickly and unlocking new clues. Can you crack the case? Download June's Journey for free today on iOS and Android. When I was 14, I had an encounter with a skinwalker. I grew up listening to stories of monsters that would mimic a person's voice. The stories would always scare me because I would always not listen to my mother who would always tell me, if you don't do this, then the creature of the woods will come and get you. I would always laugh at this stuff she would tell me until I had my encounter with it. 
One day after doing my work, a friend of mine, let's call him Tony. Now, Tony didn't believe in this legend and stuff like that. So, we decided to stay after school one day and help some kids who were struggling in some classes. After an hour or two goes by, the kids leave and me and Tony clean up for the next group of kids that we will be helping. So Tony says to me, hey, let's take a shortcut through the fields near the school. I say sure. I didn't care if I got yelled at by my mom. So we go through the fields to get to the other side of town. We were walking for several hours and we kept on hearing strange noises like panting and a weird sound. Tony starts to get nervous and so do I. An hour or two goes by and Tony checks the time on his phone. What time is it? I ask him and he tells me that it's 12 o'clock. I was supposed to be home at 10 for dinner. Just at that moment we hear a loud crunch of something right behind us. Now there are woods that surround the fields. We thought it was just a deer or an animal and thought nothing of it until we hit a clear patch of the field and we both see something that looks like a human. So we both yell out to it saying stuff like this is private property and other stuff like that. Just then I got a weird feeling that something was wrong. I whispered to Tony saying as much. What do you mean he says? Well, before we were walking there were sounds of birds and other animals, but now it is dead silent. We listen and Tony agrees that there is no noise besides of whispering and breathing. Just the thing that was sitting there looked in our direction and stood up. Tony looks and taps me on the shoulder. What is it? I said. He points to the thing that was sitting just a few moments ago. The thing was standing and it must have been seven feet tall. It turns its head and says the words that made my blood run cold. Run. But when it said that, its voice sounded way off. So we ran as fast and as far as we could get away from this thing. As we were running, I could have sworn I heard it laugh an eerie laugh. Then it got quiet, but I didn't look back due to the fear that it might be chasing us. We ran and ran until we couldn't run anymore. We collapsed at the other end of the field gasping for air. What the hell was that? Tony exclaimed. I think it was a skinwalker, I said between huffs and puffs of air. The next day when we had to walk home, we didn't go through the field. I never want to see that creature again ever again in my life. Those are just a couple of skinwalker sighting stories, but there are hundreds and hundreds more out there. The spookiest place in the country might be in Utah. Scientific studies suggest that place is Skinwalker Ranch in rural northeastern part of the state. George Knapp's Hunt for the Skinwalker, written with researcher Dr. Combe A. Keller, is full of accounts about the odd conditions that have been observed there. A recent film by Jeremy Corbell has also detailed some of the occurrences. The first chapter of Knapp's book details a ranching family's encounter with a gigantic wolf that seemed to shrug off bullets and disappear into thin air. That was in the 1990s. Scientists are still trying to figure out what goes on there. 
Mysterious events at the ranch in Utah's Uinta Basin date back at least as far as White Settler's first entry onto the scene. Reports of underground explosions and rumblings appeared first, followed by UFO reports as early as 1944 and peaking around 1968. Scientists have studied the magnetic field in the region, and at one time NASA built an observation post nearby. Regulars maintain someone can spend weeks at Skinwalker Ranch, and nothing bad, odd, or unusual will happen. And then in an instant, everything changes. You get the sense that you shouldn't be here. Sometimes the hair will start standing up on your arms, said Ranch Superintendent Thomas Winterton. I've had a feeling of dread or terror come over me, and I can't get off of the ranch fast enough. The feelings roll in like a thunderstorm, and Winterton said they often precede the mysterious events that have become synonymous with the ranch. Now the focus of a hit TV series with a 10-episode second season set to launch sometime next year on the History Channel. The shadow of the Skinwalker has loomed over the property, dating back to a curse apparently placed on the lands long ago by a Native American tribe. The shaman cursed this ground with this demonic being that can take the form of people would say a wolf, a coyote, a crow, or a human, Winterton said. Accounts of the unknown are believed to date back well into the 1800s. In 1996, then-ranch owners Terry and Gwen Sherman told the Desert News about a host of activity on their property they struggled to explain, including sightings of three different types of UFOs and cattle that either disappeared or were found mutilated, including one that had a peculiar hole in the center of its left eyeball, but was otherwise untouched with no trace of blood. For a long time we wondered what we were seeing, if it was something to do with a top secret project. Terry Sherman told the Desert News for the story that appeared in the paper on June 30, 1996. I don't know really what to think about it. The Sherman family sold the property to Las Vegas billionaire and Bigelow Aerospace founder Robert Bigelow, who told the Desert News in 1998 the strange activity had continued as his nonprofit National Institute for Discovery Science investigated the lands. We wouldn't be there just for the weather, Bigelow told the paper for the story that had appeared on August 10, 1998. Should people be fearful of anything from NIDS? Absolutely not. But I think the jury is way, way, way out and a long way from coming back on whether or not we know enough to say that they shouldn't have something to fear from the phenomena. Today, little has been made public about what Bigelow and his scientists may have done or found at the ranch. Though a New York Times report in 2017 connected Bigelow's company with a Pentagon program, that investigated reports of unidentified flying objects. The Utah Ranch was sold again in 2016, purchased by real estate magnate Brendan Fugel. Skinwalker stories and encounters are very common, which makes one more prone to believe in their existence. Anybody that has been on the Navajo Reservation has either probably heard of some creepy things or has experienced creepy things, namely skinwalkers. I have only seen one, 
Here is my story. I come from a small town in northern Arizona that's sandwiched between the Paiute Reservation to the north of the U.S.'s largest Navajo reservation to the south. I was visiting my grandparents out in Coyote Canyon, New Mexico during last October to see family and to go to the Northern Navajo Nation Fair that week. Many Navajo people, including my own family, are very reluctant to speak about skinwalkers because it is believed to attract their attention. However, I was very naive about the subject. When it came to skinwalkers, I was an absolute skeptic. My grandparents were in their mid-60s and still got around very well. When I would come for a visit, I tried to help around the place as much as I could. My grandmother makes Navajo jewelry and has been teaching me for some time. It was during one of these lessons that my grandfather comes in from outside winded and breathing heavy. He said that he had been tending the chickens when a big gray dog came creeping out of the woods. It terrified my grandfather's dogs who were not easily spooked. After they ran and hid, the big gray dog started pacing around the perimeter of the property. My grandfather went to get his gun, not intending to shoot it but to scare it off before it got to the chickens. Curiosity got the best of me and I followed him outside to watch the show. We didn't have to go far, because as we rounded the corner of the house, there it stood. It was unusually large, and it had the strangest looking eyes. My grandfather raised his gun and fired past the dog's head, but it just stood there for a few more moments in defiance before turning around and trotting away at a calm pace. That night, we were watching a movie in the living room, which had big windows that looked out into the driveway. The curtains were wide open. Next to the window is a bookshelf where the DVDs are kept. I got up to put the DVD that we had just finished back when I caught sight through the window of the dog standing on the hood of my grandmother's car. This is definitely not something a normal dog would do. I freaked out because that stray dog was staring right at us through the window, standing on top of the car outside. Not something normal dogs do from my point of view at all. Usually my dog is a house dog. It scratches the door to be let in. Res dogs aren't house dogs, and dogs inside houses are frowned upon in Navajo tradition, meant to protect the house and the owner. The other dogs seemed to be staying away from it. I opened the door and yelled at it to get off the car. It ran off behind the shed. The next morning, my grandparents went to visit a neighbor who was recovering from surgery. They were gone most of the day. Around six o'clock, I heard someone trying to open the front door. My grandparents would have used a key. Whoever was on the other side obviously didn't have one. I tiptoed to the window to get a view of the front step. I was taken aback when I saw the big gray dog on his hind legs with his paws wrapped around the doorknob. It was probably not the smartest move, but I opened the door again and yelled at the dog like a mad person, and once again, it ran off into the woods. My grandparents came home shortly after I told them what had happened. They did not take the news well, though they tried to suppress their emotions. I could tell that they were on edge for the rest of the evening. I went to bed around 9 o'clock. I laid there for a couple of hours watching YouTube videos and listening to music on my phone. 
before falling asleep. I had just turned off my phone and burrowed my head into my pillow when I heard a sound coming from the roof. It was a pitter-patter of footsteps and scratching sounds. After about 10 minutes of this, I heard a thud as something landed beside my bedroom window. I sat up and listened closely, hoping it was just my imagination. Softly at first, I heard scratching on the bedroom window. But ever so slowly, it became more and more intense. Suddenly, I screamed so loud it hurt my own ears. My grandfather came running into the room. I told him what had happened. He went to the front room and grabbed his rifle and headed outside. My grandmother comforted me and led me into the main part of the house where we sat on the couch and she wrapped her arms around me and held me close. We could hear my grandfather yelling, but the words I didn't understand. It was an authoritative sound like a command similar to what you hear in exorcisms in movies. My grandmother squeezed me in closer to her as we heard running and footsteps around the house and barking. But the barking was not what you would hear from a normal dog. It sounded almost human. As we heard a couple of shots fired off, I jumped and my heart skipped a beat. At this point, I was getting really worried about my grandfather. My worries were short-lived, though, because after about ten minutes of silence, my grandfather returned, entering through the back door of the house. He said the dog got away and had ran off into the woods, again. My grandmother fixed me a warm drink, and shortly after, I returned to bed. I felt safer and pretty sleepy at this point. The last thing I remember before going to bed was my grandfather emptying the cartridge from his rifle and filling a bowl with ash from the fireplace. He methodically dipped each unused bullet in the ashes and rolled them around. I thought this must be some weird form of cleaning the ammo after firing the gun. Kind of stupid, I know. I was awoken again right before sunrise. I sat up in bed trying to figure out what had startled me, but I heard nothing just complete silence. I had the strangest feeling that I was not alone. I scanned the room, which was a light from the full moon shining through the open curtains of the window. I saw nothing in the room, but as my thoughts became clearer and my eyes more aware, I noticed a large shadow from the window thrown across the bedroom floor. I slowly followed the silhouette to its source, and what I saw I will never forget as long as I live. Standing there at the window, with its clawed hands against the glass, was a man-dog-like thing. It had its face pressed against the window and was glaring at me with a look that was almost like a smile on its face. And then it spoke. It said in my grandmother's voice, Honey, let me in. It is very cold outside and I need your skin to keep me warm. Thank you for listening to Freaky Folklore, the podcast about mankind's horrifying legends and myths. Don't forget to follow Freaky Folklore on Spotify and iTunes. 
If you can, leave this show an honest review on iTunes to help us grow. Freaky Folklore is part of the EerieCast Podcast Network, the home for listeners who love to feel scared. Go to EerieCast.com to find other shows featuring terrifying tales, such as Darkness Prevails Podcast, which has nearly 300 episodes showcasing allegedly true stories from around the world. If you love the supernatural and mysterious creatures interest you, the Darkness Prevails Podcast is the show for you. Tune in next week as Freaky Folklore explores the curse of La Llorona. Until next time, stay safe out there, because this world is a strange one. Our bodies come in different shapes and sizes, so doesn't it make sense that our weight loss plans should too? That's the beauty of Noom. They build a personal plan that factors in dietary restrictions, medical issues, and other personal needs so your plan works for you. Noom doesn't restrict or shame when you want to treat yourself. Their flexible program focuses on progress. Instead of perfection, you don't have to give up carbs or anything. And with their daily lessons, you can learn something new about your food choices every day. After just a few days of using the app, I learned how to recognize cues for overeating and how to choose the right foods to feel full. Stay focused on what's important to you with Noom's psychology and biology-based approach. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com. That's N-O-O-M.com. And check out Noom's first ever cookbook, The Noom Kitchen, for 100 healthy and delicious recipes to promote better living. Available to buy now wherever books are sold.